1: working as fast. Oh, there it goes. Welcome so much. I'm uh, coming to you from my back porch, and we have a wonderful hemp show on today, Hemp and Beyond with Farmer Tom, and with me, of course, is Miggy to help discuss, and then we welcome Farmer Tom Larman. Thanks for coming on, man.
2: Thanks, Lawyer Tom. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate Miggy uh, throwing the invite this way. Hey, Farmer Tom. So,
3: like, most times we'll give an introduction to guests, and, and, and but you yeah. know, I'm a, I'm a fanboy when it comes to like everybody that's on our show. Anybody's making money at cannabis, I, you know, I've a lot of love and respect for you. Can you tell people why and who you are?
2: Oh, wow, uh, it's a kind of a long deal these days. I'm just telling people to Google it, it's a lot easier that way, but uh. <laughs> i don't know me and my wife have been at this since the 90s we had a collective in san diego called shelter from the storm uh basically we got all of the patients together in san diego well 21 of us at the time and uh we had this collective garden where you bought a light you paid 50 dollars a month to help keep the lights on and then you got to take what you want it was kind of an honor system
3: that's pretty neat wow
2: well, back then, you know, in San Diego, it's uh, there's more DEA agents there than anywhere else in the world, and so it's kind of you're under a magnifying glass. So, uh, individually, they were busting us individually, but we figured if we got together as a group, we would have more power, which we did, and and we were a big educational force down there and educating um, the city the city council members on cannabis and how safe it is. Well, awesome. What
1: year? It. What year, man? When was this? You say San Diego? This back is in, in the nineties.
2: Yeah, my my wife started it, was co one of the co founders there in the nineties in like ninety seven. And cool. then like uh, right, right you know,
1: after the medical cannabis passed in our uh, Prop two fifteen.
2: Well we all you know we all got everybody to vote for it and then once it was legal we really wanted to enact it, you know and Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, utilize our rights. But at that time, you know, the, the, the way the sheriffs and the police looked at it was, we'll arrest you and we'll let the courts take care of it. That's so, still happening.
1: That's still oh, happens yeah. out here. We had a show on Friday where we were talking about bus
3: happens in New York, happens in Illinois. Yeah. Well, you think San Diego, too, from, I'm from Motion Side, And it, during that time period, you would think they'd be, be super liberal, but they're not. They've been very conservative up until recently, I think. What do you: think Yeah, of-,
2: one of our patients one of our patients was Chuck, and he owned a surf shop in Oceanside back in the late '90s. And he was an instrumental part, and he was a big uh, Chuck was a really good inspiration because he had some odd disease, and literally, you know, he died during going to court, proving that yeah. he was sick enough to have the wow. substance, That's- which was happening a lot to patients back then. Yeah. So, and we will come a long way. Um, you know, I've worked in, you know, uh, we got raided in 1999, our Collef Garden, where I got arrested for 448 plants, along with Steve McWilliams. We went to jail uh, for the night, and uh, they, uh, we were very active in the medical marijuana um, movement down there, so we would go to the town council meetings. After the arrest, we went to the town council meetings, and uh, the mayor gave us back our growing equipment, and they... They just uh, they didn't drop the charges, they just kind of let them hang. Oh, yeah, because in case you got another one, then you'd really be in trouble. Oh so, man. Uh, cool. so me and my wife got together at that point, and then we moved to Williams, Oregon from San Diego, where we did uh, uh, wild crafting and for herbs up there. So it was like hellebore, St. John's wort, oh. uh, chickweed. Artica, all these different things we would get contracts and make money and i worked on an organic seed farm where i was a manager so i've been landscaping my whole life so growing things just came second hand and then after doing landscape construction my whole life i knew all about irrigation planting plants oh, wow. picture everything and it just kind of lined up perfectly for my lifelong passion to be a farmer yeah, and to, right. grow the things that I, to grow the things that I love, including, you know, vegetables and cannabis like we do on our farm. And, uh, uh, you know, we've been this year, we, we, we grew some hemp. So I'll get back into that a little bit later. We worked. Uh, we got up here. We bought our farm in Vancouver, Washington, where we've been for the last 15 years. Uh, we worked with the state to change some laws on, um, on concentrates back in the day, back when Washington legalized. They were afraid of BHO and all the explosions, and they wanted to ban it and only put it into, you know, edibles. And we was we we did a a media piece with Matt Markovich out of California News, where we gave the good side of, of concentrates, and really explained that there was many more concentrates only, other than BHO, and there's a smart way to make BHO, and then there's a not so smart way to make it. And yeah. you know, Is that our,
1: the way that ends in it blowing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: so back then, we said really what you need to do is regulate it and tax it, and then we'll stop seeing these explosions. And that was in 2013, and we don't see them that much anymore. Every now and again, you'll see an explosion or something, but it's not as prevalent as it was back then. So, and then that led to uh, a PHO explosion in New Mexico where a kid blew himself up in a certified facility. Oh, really? OSHA got in touch with us, and then I started working with the federal government. Um, that kind of just came on. Um, the Denver Police Department filed a complaint with OSHA saying that their officers were in danger going into these grow operations because oh, wow. there were black wow. mold and powdery mildew. So the Obama administration allocated funds to do the first workplace health and safety standard study that they did on our farm in 2015 Uh, we had the honor of educating the federal government for the first time on cannabis production and processing on our in august on our farm just Uh, this august no it was 2015
1: okay but then this is pretty recent only uh, four years ago
2: yeah yeah it's all it's all pretty recent it's not ancient history Um, So, uh, yeah, in 2017, they released it. They had some complications with releasing the study due to the election year. And then on uh, April 1st of 2017, they released the study and it's kind of become the Foundation for all workplace health and safety standards in the cannabis and hemp industry.
3: When you say election year uh, Stumbling on it. It always bothers me like is cannabis. Sometimes is a hot issue or it's not a hot issue. It's like a, a, a an Electoral issue and it shouldn't be this is a human rights issue What, what was it with the
2: thing then? What was that thing? Well, they they originally put it up on the on the federal government website the study And they pulled it down in one day and we got the word that some state senator saw it and a Democrat and had a heart attack and said, we got to pull this down. A heart attack. So
1: cannabis does kill, provided it is because (laughs) you're prejudiced against cannabis so much so that you have a heart attack when it becomes legalized.
2: (laughs) Seriously. That was just a phrase I was using. But they got upset and pulled it down that day. It was only up for like five hours. And then it took, then they said, oh, we can't do it this year. It's a hot button issue in the summer. And then they said, oh, wait till November. Oh, we've got a new administration coming in. Let's kick the can to February where they said, oh, we've got a new Department of Health and Human Services uh, person at the top. So, you know, and finally in April, April 1st, did April, you know, I think uh, April 1st that year, I mean, the first business day was a monday and i think it was the third so i think on the fourth we received an overnight package with the full report signed and everything and and since it was cl- shut down before um i just kind of we waited to see what was going to happen and it stayed up and it stayed up and then um NIOSH, which is uh, part of the department of health and human services cdc uh, center of disease control division uh, they put up on their Facebook page that they did the study with this. and yeah lawyer Tom you
3: need to see yeah. this report I mean it's a beautiful uh, it's funny too to, to to hear about the dangers of trimming uh, you know the wow. dangers
1: of trimming what are these uh, are they cut related because I could see that being a, oh shoot I I, I wanted
2: that oh yeah oh yeah definitely we you know we always advocate for on the you know the hand you're holding the product with to always use a, a loose glove because. Those scissor tips will grab that loose tip and not your skin. Oh. So here I, am, here I am, always dropping knowledge. I love the educational nice. part of the whole deal. Oh, yeah. so.
3: <laughs> but like it's also talking about uh, air quality and uh, the cleanliness of the,
2: and also carpal tunnel. You know things that are actually real issues that you don't think about uh, when. Oh no, do dude! They hooked us up to uh, a glove called the Cyber Glove that track repetitive motion. And then, from the data they collected on their farm, the CDC put out an announcement that trimming cannabis and/or hemp could cause carpal tunnel. So it's uh, it, it was pretty. We're kind of proud of the work we've done, mm-hmm. and uh, I love continuing to educate people. And now we're we're educating the um, you know the federal government on hemp and hemp production. And that's so uh, hard. I mean, like,
1: uh, doesn't that just How do you deal with it? Because you're just the consummate educator and patient as you've been in this industry for over 25 years or or close to 25 years, at least Um, the prejudice and then the ignorance. How do you continue to deal with that and fight against it uh, without uh, losing, losing your soul? You know,
2: no, you know, actually, it's all about education. Really, once you educate these guys, these public servants, they get it. Really, You know, and, you know, they really do get it like arbitrary numbers like Washington State. And, and I think Colorado came up with this five nanogram while you're driving. Well, oh, Vivian yeah. on, uh, on a town hall meeting uh, with some state representatives from the Department of uh, Motor Vehicles. And then um, oh, I forget the other one it was addict addictive substances pe- person. And they virtually said that they, they grabbed that five nanogram number out of thin air. Yep. And they've done the same thing with this hemp deal. They've yeah, grabbed 0. this 3. Three THC out of thin air, decarboxylated, which is virtually impossible for any high CBD st- hemp strain to have out there. Um, right. you know, uh, so this week I've been working with uh, folks. I've been teaching uh, at Hemp University. We have an online school, Hemp Farming Academy. Um, and, and through my education, we've been working with uh, the, the people from Hemp University and working with a group called the Watson Group out of Washington, D.C. They're a lobbying group. And basically we're educating them and setting up the, a meeting with the USDA in the next few weeks to meet with them face to face, to show them the struggles that these un, unrealistic numbers are, are causing the, the small farmer out there. It's basically, Another way to lock the small farmer out of uh, the big picture. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. Opportunities once in a lifetime. And we've seen what happened in Washington State. It turned out to be an elitist thing, and only the biggest and the strongest and the biggest companies made it. Yeah, and all the yeah. and all the people who put their life savings in, countless people who put their life savings into this. And the ag department's kind of with me on this. I mean it kind of just wiped the playing field where it was too costly for the small farmer to uh, compete or even get their products out there. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, and then I'd,
1: does that Delta I'd, nine, that 0.3 number, is that what you're talking about? Is that going to just be impossible for farmers to keep oh, it under? Is.
2: Well, it's, yeah, it's THC plus Delta nine and then decarboxylated, which really shoots the numbers up. So it's totally yeah. this arbitrary number they pulled out at thin air they used it in Canada. They went for the lowest common denominator, this 0.3 number, and and the United States picked it up. Well, uh, we think it's kind of ridiculous uh, being in the, in cannabis and being an educator and then teaching at colleges uh, cannabis in your health courses. It's kind of ridiculous to think that anything that anything under five or six percent would give anybody any kind of psychoactive offense. So why right. are we messing yeah. around with this? arbitrary pulled pie out of the sky number that really has nothing to do with what they're afraid of, you know, And And criminal,
1: criminal liability on top of it. I mean, like you're messing with this arbitrary number. And if you go over that line, like there's no remediation. And then not only is there no remediation, you could expose yourself to criminal penalties.
2: Well, no, just tell your product. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, um, if you're in this industry, you got to be like Gumby. And, you know, it's no, not an easy uh, road to haul. Uh, right. You know, me working with the federal government, you know, they told me my phone's tapped for the rest of my life. And, oh, oh right.
1: let's, let's thank our guest, the federal government,
2: for joining us. federal
1: Thanks for coming on.
2: But, you <laughs> know, there's a trade off uh, in these things. You know, yeah. for me to get the honor to work with them and right. to still be in contact with them. You know, I mean, that's kind of why I've waited uh, to jump in, you know, to launch my brand until hemp because it was federally legal. And the big the main reason is, is I can take the tax deductions for the build out, my employees, everything. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of this ADE really wrecks the whole the whole thing for any small, small individual or So like
1: not being I able to bank, bank it. this? I mean, <laughs> think of a farm that doesn't have a bank loan. I don't know any farms that don't have a bank loan.
2: That's just or like an operating yeah.
1: loan or like a mortgage on their land or something that they can access the capital to do a capital intensive industry. And so you take away not just uh, the 280E and dealing all in cash, but, you know, the dealing all in the cash. That's the banking aspect and you can't finance it. it and it just puts the barriers up, you know.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's been totally clear to the small farmers and working with the Washington Ag Department. They realize that they see that. And they really wanted to make this hemp thing work for the small farmer and medium-sized farmer here in Washington State.
3: We had a guy yeah. last week, or a couple of days ago, it all kind of merges together, um, who has a client for, for transporting hemp. And I think he's in Illinois, right? Your partner, Tom? Laurie Tom. Which one? Uh, the the guy who's in, going through the process right now, his product is being held up in in prison. Oh
1: oh, there's uh yeah, somebody was got got caught transporting, and then that happens though in every single state, people well, will get pulled over with the buckets, and then they're like, no, this is clearly marijuana. But he's this a small time farmer. I mean, literally,
3: he's literally a small time farmer. Some dude invested 60k or whatever investment, mm-hmm. looking to get like a 200k return, which is not. It shouldn't be uh, uh, unexpected. He should be as a American citizen person, uh, uh, you know, someone who wants to just do better for his family and the greater good. Mm -hmm. He's not a criminal. He's a farmer, you know, and he's very integrated because he's got to transport his own shit, which is horrible. But like, you got to talk about this arbitrary rule coming up uh, with the arbitrary numbers. Farmer Tom, what are you doing right now for like, what can the people do to help you to, to, to get the message out to these guys to change this rule?
2: Well, there's a change.org a petition we've been hanging around. And then uh, there's the the Watson group out of D.C. Um, if you really want to get involved, uh, I would look these guys up. They're real. They've done a lot of great work already in changing laws. And, you know, they can open up the door so we can go visit the USDA and, and the FDA and kind of educate them again on what's really going on and what real numbers look like and how you're going to be fair to the struggling Americans across this country, you know, how do you I mean, get such, such, such a such a separation yeah. of wealth, you know, that's true. That it, it re, the entry point to any new industry, you have to pretty much sell your soul to get into it. So that's what, you know, yeah. my wife refused to, we don't, we haven't taken any money we've done all this by ourselves. We're all self-funded through, you know, you know, basically yeah. through education and doing what I do. And um, uh, you know we're we're happy to be able to roll out our brand, you know, as you know, soul. We we haven't taken any money, and we're not going to take any money. It's just it gets too complicated, and then at some point it comes from me and my family to we and some investor who wants to right. quit.
1: He wants to exit. Stuff. He wants to pay back. He yeah, wants, but he to wants
2: to the the un- return. You know, and it's any it's, other not,
1: it's unreasonable. It is unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And then they they can be overconfident
2: too. Just, if you look gosh. at the if you look at the restaurant industry, they don't even start making, and, and all their money starts in five years. I think that's a good number. This this twenty four to thirty six month we want to see a return oh. is 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 ridiculous, and it's put so many people under. And I think uh, the investors need to need to have a longer vision instead of this, you know, short short capital. We're going to make money real quick uh, mm. type mentality. It's really you know, not fair to the small farmers and the uh, people who are opening up the stores and the processing right. facilities.
1: When you're working with the USDA, how do you give them like a metric? Because that's the thing that these guys, these bureaucrats, they always want, they want something to measure. So how do you give them a measurement between marijuana? And by that, I mean, THC cannabis mm-hmm. and hemp. And by that, I mean, uh, well, there's some, there's some actual,
2: yeah, there's yeah. some actual studies going on out there. And some people of our group are are, are brilliant, brilliant people who have studied cannabis for a long time and THC and CBD and all the ratios. And we're, you know, our main thing is to give them really good science because that's what they want. And they want- I think the science, the science is, 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 out there. It's starting to trickle in, hmm. um, because it's been, you know, pretty much federally illegal to do any studies on it. And that's that's, right. that's been their whole mode of apparatus, you know, let's kick the can down the road. Since the 60s are going, oh, we don't have any research. Let's yeah. kick the <laughs> but, but we've e- made research illegal. Right. You know. And then in the 70s, same thing. Cannabis comes up again. Boom, kick it down the road. We don't have research. So it's kind of this we thing. We need but, more
1: research. Do the research. Well, we can't we do, do the do research. research.
2: But thank God for the internet. And we're able yeah. to talk uh, openly and get real truth across. You know? Mm-hmm. So. You know, the regular mainstream media was jumping for joy, you know, that this new farm bill was the greatest thing that ever happened. But really what it does is it makes no you'll have no CBD on the market next year. None whatsoever. Yeah. You know, the only thing you'll be able to pretty much grow out there. If you grow a CBD crop, you're going to have to harvest it, you know, at like week three. You know, I where think there's about
1: that's smoke like smoke flour sour apples, <laughs> you know, like when the apple isn't even close to being ripe and thinking you're going to get juice out of it. What, yeah, yeah, the no smokable flour and then the price of extracts going to go up because the yields are going to go into the toilet. I don't,
2: you know, PBG you know, yeah. is the workaround, yeah, yeah, CBG I've heard that the big workaround and it's the precursor to THC and CBD and. Uh, a lot of the other cannabinoids. So from that, they can extract it. The Crawford brothers and a bunch of people are working on uh, some CBG seeds out there. We've got a hold of some here on our farm, and uh, yeah, we're you know that's what we're going to look for next year. But until then, you know, we, we're really encouraging people to get out there and call your state representatives, call the call, you know, make the calls, call the USDA, fill out their online survey. Uh, they've got a, a a survey out there to ask about the full USDA report and to give your comments, and I think that's key. Everybody needs to yeah. do that. But Before yeah. you do it, make sure you do your homework. You know, there's like three big issues with this, and first is the 0.3 decarboxylated THC with n- no strains out there that are h- high in CBD will ever get to hit. So all that stuff illegal right off the bat. The second thing is where they're taken from samples. Generally, the way they do samples now, they take one top bud, a medium a medium sized branch and a large branch at the bottom. They combine all of that together to get their result. Like our Washington state results for total TH, for TH, total I think it was total THC was 0.17 so we're good for commerce. We've got our letter back from the state saying we're good. And Washington yeah. hasn't made their rules yet. So we really got to keep an eye out on Washington and make sure they make the right decisions. The first thing we're really focusing on is this federal deal and the yeah. USDA and grabbing the right group of people up there that they'll, they'll listen to. And uh, there's, there's definitely, um, you know, these Watson Group guys have done some amazing things. And uh, I look forward to uh, contributing any way I can.
3: Do you you think also, too, we're asking the wrong question. Could it be also like uh, the the science is here. Like we already know everything about this plant that we really need to know. Can we just say what we need to do is establish when it's a fun time and when it's fun time cannabis, you know, like like marijuana light and marijuana, you know, great. Maybe that's a question that we should be asking, you know, because like marijuana light let's say okay five percent THC, which like you were saying before like it's hard for you to get that one percent but is five percent really such a high number to be asking for
2: no THC I'm not five percent I'm like three percent better because you start right. feeling yeah because you start feeling the psychoactive I gotta be you gotta play in a in a I'll be honest in a, that's how it goes, right where they can get around the idea too yeah right. you can't start going okay we're gonna put it at eight percent you know what I mean? Pushing the envelope. We, you know, the whole thing with hemp and the hemp movement, it's really not get about getting people high, right? You know, it's an alternative to cannabis where you can get some of the benefits through the terpene profiles and the other cannabinoids to get what, to get what you're looking for. You're not going to get the same psychoactive effect. And you know, a lot of people out there really aren't looking for that, you know, a a couple of some nice, uh, High CBD flower, like our um, Sour Space Candy or our Bubba nice. Kush, is really relaxing, really tasty. And, you know, we grew hemp this year like we grew high-grade cannabis. We didn't know if this was our yeah. first and only chance, we might as well go for the gusto. I yeah. worked on a farm down in Southern Oregon in Williams in the Applegate Valley where we were growing, um, you know, 30,000 plants down there. And, wow. and, How did you and do bubble Kush as a high CBD strain? well well they're it's breeding it's all it, it's all in breeding they bre- they bred it way down so it's super low numbers almost non-detect in this variety it comes from Humboldt. Right. seeds i think these these uh the ones that i got and uh they they turned out pretty good i mean we had the worst weather in, in the pacific northwest or on the west coast or across the country for agriculture in the last like, right. 71 years you know so yeah uh, it was really a struggle you know i mean when on my course, and when I'm talking, I'm always about giving people usable information that they could really use um, instead of trying to sell them something. And, you know, my big thing this year is everybody's stuff got greedy and put their plants too close together. Uh-huh. There was no breeze or air could circulate between the plants. thus all the rotten mold. Oh. And then, you know, there's a lot of things about this year. You know, when I when that's I trip Well, there was a hailstorm too, that you had to survive through. Oh yeah. The, oh, the, the Eastern, Eastern Oregon had a hailstorm. We had relentless rain all through January. Um, you know, and, uh, it it just wasn't a, you know, it rained all through July. It was just like a really weak summer we haven't seen in a, in a, in a, in a really long time. So, uh, you know, I think when you plant your plants, you know, make a row we like to go we like to go ten feet between plants and make them between plants, yeah, well, ten feet between the plants, so you have a row to drive up and down and take right. your tractor and keep the the weeds suppressed and the okay. grass is suppressed and and be able and plus on years like this year, you know we plan for it anyways. We're west of the cascades in Vancouver, Portland area, where it's not really the best climate to grow much of anything out here because we have traditionally short summers. And then we get a lot of moisture, which which enhances the mold, you know, powdery mildews and you know, botrytis and these type of things. So we kind of plan for it, anyways, just because of where we're situated. But I tell everybody, you know, make sure you got enough room to get up and down those rows. You know, foliar feeding is a great a great thing to do, and you can see really good. You know, your plants really love it and and excel from it. So. But everybody got greedy this year. They get on their phone calculators and they start running these numbers. And all of a sudden, oh yeah! All of a sudden, they're buying villas in France. You know what I mean? And, uh,
1: Before the crop is planted,
2: I would like oh, to. The, oh, traditional. Tra- yeah. You know, it's hilarious. You know, yeah. and for me, we just got all of our crop in. We're finished dr- drying it right now, and then bucking it right now. And it won't be until that point that we go. Okay, this is what we got. We're looking into different product ideas, things that me and my wife and our daughter, we've been using for years around our farm and our house and how to incorporate those you know, into products. So, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in, in the hemp world right now.
3: You know, I'd like to say I know Farmer Tom from the, the medical market scene. Like uh, Tom, Lawyer Tom is amazed when I talk about how we had farmer's right. markets and all the other shit that went on when it was medical. And, uh, you know, uh, farmer Tom would pop out in and out of different markets throughout. He had his own brand, you know, I mean, look at the man by himself. He's just, but to top it off, he had the quality cannabis. Like it's no shit. He he's there. He's, He's the reason why you should take his advice when he talks about making. Right. But then again, he's on that scale, right? And this is why the hemp uh, bill can help so many small people like me. I just have a small house that I'm renting with a little yard. If I had that chance when it was medical back then, I didn't want to grow. I had no interest in growing back then because I got quality cannabis cheap because everybody and their mother and father were growing cannabis in their house and selling it to the pot shops locally. So there was quality was the competition. That was, I mean, people look at the pound and they're like – you know, you could turn it over if you had quality cannabis, make money and, and tax free and and then go on and, and, and reinvest that yourself or get bigger. You know, and back when Farmer Tom, when it was medical, he did all the right things like with the herbals. He was doing all the you understood both the, the regular market that you're contracting for with, with, with like all the echinacea and all that stuff. But you also understood quality cannabis and like just a little bit got you big way back then. It gave everybody a small timer, a chance, you know, as a citizen, right? Now we're, we're going to hand over the shit, to big brother, or whoever, big ag, yeah.
2: this is bullshit. I don't I didn't think so, man. I, I, you know, from, from the beginning, I've, I've always had this long game in, in, in focus, you know what I mean? Where the finish line is. And my main thing was to, uh, to do something, you know, make it so I can, I would be in the industry for a long time. And the work with the federal government kind of put me in that place. There's only one first out there and we just happen to be it. So I feel really blessed that I w- I've been given that. And uh, when you yeah, say
1: first though, like, what does that mean? First, we so were the, you were work-
2: the first, we were the first private company to work with any federal agency on cannabis production and processing. we we're, fe- like- were the first to educate any federal agency on production and processing of cannabis. Before at that time, they all everybody thought just like when we did the BHO video with uh, uh, Matt Markovich that we were all going to jail. Same thing yeah. was going to happen. That <laughs> I was going to bring him in. The DEA was going to follow him through the gate, and Farmer Tom was going to be off to the who's gal. And I just didn't Man. believe. It. And I had been on the phone with these guys several different times, and it just didn't feel that way. And sometimes you gotta. Risk the risk reward deal, you know. Okay. I, I, I really don't know of anybody else who would have invited the feds into their backyard, showed them your 80 or 90 plants, walked them through them, showed you how you grew them, showed you how to process them, and and you know, just let them, you know.
3: You've been part of the process of normalization, I think, in my opinion. That interaction that you had that you did with that report, you know, I mean, the CDC was part of this, shit, you know, I mean, it's pretty awesome that you yeah. did. Another Farmer Tom, fun fact is he has a strain named after him in Spain, I believe, right?
2: Yeah, that the, yeah, the, was a cut that we had, and they and they had for a while over there in Barcelona. Um, and, uh, yeah, the guys at Granados, I got to tip my hat. I always give the guys at Granados a shout out. Those guys are pretty amazing. I think I'm going to be going back to Spanibus uh, this year, hopefully. When We're is Spanibus? Speaking, well, Spanibus is in March. And it runs in Barcelona and it's a great time where the whole world gets together and celebrates cannabis for a week. And, uh, yeah, it's You'll a learn. pretty amazing show. You know, it, it, makes our shows here in America, even the MJ biz shows look, you know, pretty weak, you know, yeah. because yeah. In, in Europe they've been, they've done the seed thing forever. And, you know, since seeds and, uh, Barney's Farms and all these guys that have been around forever, these guys make bank, you know. There's a lot of money in seeds, you know. One plant, you can get thousands yeah. of seeds. And if you're selling them for, you know, ten for a hundred bucks, and that's... You ain't got to water cheaper,
0: it. it <laughs> keeps for a bit. On yeah, the yeah. And yeah.
2: Selling, so they have the money to build these unbelievable booths. Like, these booths have bars in them. Fuck. The Cincy Seed one was three three stories tall, you know, I think they must have had a, a half a million dollars easily or higher in their boot. Right, we gotta
1: we gotta get like more popular so we can get on the flight and, and, and Dude, do an episode it. In in the,
2: the, the European
3: scene, I think, has been freaking well, obviously Amsterdam, you know, high times have been part of that, but but after Amsterdam, name name another one because like I knew like
1: Barcelona was big even like back in like oh wow. three when I was there. And so like after Amsterdam and Barcelona. I'm out of cities, you know, where else is yeah. it big in Europe?
2: Well, I guess, you know, Portugal's pretty big. They kind of de- uh decriminalize all dr- uh, narcotics yeah. down oh, there. Okay. And yeah, Spain yeah. in general, Spain in general's loosening it loosening up a little bit. Um, and you know, I'm I'm not really sure what else is moving around out on there. I know the Slovakian countries um uh, kind of have a, a pretty good uh um, if, a cannabis movement there.
3: Yeah, from time right. do you
2: think um what's do
3: you know the regulation like in spain do you think we are over regulating americans right now and doing ourselves a disservice where like we don't have those seed banks we don't have that because if we had that we would have more money here and more farmer power i guess would be the word to say right
2: yeah um you know we just haven't you know uh the netherlands really had the we're able to develop all the seeds and and basically, that's where they came from. Then they, they uh, a lot of seed development went into uh, uh, Spain, and uh, so you know, as far as seed development here in the country, oh, don't, don't, don't kid yourself. In the in the hemp world, the Crawford brothers are making million, t- mm. tens of millions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, selling their seeds, at mm. a, b- between a dollar and two dollar of seeds. Oh, okay. Those guys yeah. are making enormous amounts of money. So, so all their um,
1: seeds now kind of like screwed with a 0.3 total.
2: Yeah, yeah, but they've been developing two different varieties of CBGs and they've kind of been right. waiting for this to happen as kind of their backup plan. But the CBGs don't have any terpenes and they kept oh. the terpenes out, out oh, of wow. it. Reason because it was clogging up the cultivators that were getting into fields harvesting on large scales. Huh. So the terpenes is where all the resins are and the, all the stickiness, right. and this was clogging up their equipment. Wow. So they developed DBG varieties with no terpene profiles. Hmm. But I thought that was some of the good stuff,
1: like those terpene profiles. I thought there was like benefits to them.
2: Well, it, they are, but all they're really looking for is the CBG because it's the precursor to a lot of different other cannabinoids like uh cbd and thc are there any uh, big players trying
3: to influence the uh the upcoming regulation that you heard of like is anybody helping you you know
2: like well those- the, you know, i mean they have already the big players already the hemp round tables already mm. uh through a in big influence and that, that was a pay-to-play group i couldn't join it because i farmer tom didn't have the twenty five thousand dollars to become a member you know yeah um so there's a lot of these uh, elitist uh, groups out there who think they're going to be able to control the market through their through the money, but the American farmer's been dragged through the, you know, just yeah, really again over yeah. the years, and this year especially with soybeans and corn and all mm-hmm. this stuff going south. I'm getting, I get calls weekly from large agricultural farmers in the Midwest and across the country. Who want to know more about growing hemp and are ready to ready to make the move? Wow!
3: Do you think if everybody just grew hemp and then uh, at this one point, that's when uh, soybean values go back up? You know, because I mean, there's always a supply and demand thing, man. Something's going to take push and pull here.
2: Yeah, I mean, but you know, hemp is so versatile. You know, there's you know, there's thousand different industrial you know, components, but I've heard the problem
1: is that we don't have the uh, capacity yet for the refining of the industry for hemp in the United States. Like the only thing we really have is extraction for taking the oils out. And we really don't even have that well developed either.
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely out there and there's a lot of processing facilities around a lot of farmers who made good money in the last few years or started their own processing facilities to handle their own, you know their own, so I think uh, the, a lot of the business, you know, is being taken over by uh, by the, you know, like what I like to say is, uh, if you're going to get into the hemp game, there's there's a couple of things. First of all, when you get into the hemp game, number one thing is to have your drying and your storage nailed down before you buy your first seed. Because the big bottleneck we're seeing in the hemp industry right now, is, is we can't get these crops out of the ground and dried and ready for a processing facility. Mm. So it's really, not, it's really not the processing facilities that are making the oils that are, are super backed up. It's the lack of places to dry and, you know, and store your thing. Because drying cannabis takes up a huge amount of space. You would, you would never believe yep. we did 700 plants on my farm and I, and I've got a hundred foot greenhouses with about 400 feet of, uh, so I have 1600 uh, feet of hanging space on, uh, on coated coated wire through my greenhouses. And we, we packed 700 plants in there. Damn. So wow. really got to figure if you've got a, uh, Let's say a uh, 25,000 square foot building. You know, I think an acre. I think an acre of hemp is going to take up about uh, let's see, 3,000 square feet of, of drying storage space, and that's being like 16 to 36 feet high, which you can make these drying walls. Uh, there's a lot of other drying methods out there, like the ventcos They use them for the hop world. But when I see, it really deg- degrades the pod, and it's a misservice to the plant because you're burning through these dry, radiant heaters that are on top of uh, shipping containers. They cut the roofs off, and yeah. they put the heatings inside, and then they got these carts with screened bottoms, and they put it on top, and they heat-dry this stuff.
1: Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask like, you about that. So
2: It kills all you- the trichomes, and it really kills your CBDs, all of your cannabinoids, brings the levels mm-hmm. down. And then you lose a lot coming out the bottom, you know, like uh, they're using them in these CB for CBG. But if you know, if you've got up in touch with CBG, once it's dry and you take that butt in the air and you tap it, you can see a cloud of CBG oh. just. Off. So those yeah. trichomes are not secured on there with the, uh, usually the terpenes. Oh, okay. Hold those trichomes in place with no terpenes. These And it's just going to get worse. So, really you're going to lose all your cbg if you're trying to dry them in these type of facilities hmm. um you know the hang method the hippie hang dry it seems like the best way to go you preserve all your terpenes you preserve all your cannibal. have you
1: been have you been growing the cbgs
2: yeah we got a hold of a couple of them this year for testing and uh are they curing yeah, okay they, they look oh uh, yeah i have a few jars right here <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, like when you shake it, then like just because of that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, that you just gave us it. Here, it sounds like you know it would be good for making keef. Like, if it, does all the CBG just yeah. fall right off, or is it stuck to the to the buds? Yeah, pretty let me good. see if
2: I can pull out a. Let me see if I can pull out a bud and give you a little demo of what. Happens. All right, let's let's go to the full screen then. All right. Looking so like here's a pretty... my... let's see if yep. I can get it to focus. Yeah.
3: I want to sniff this
2: mic I can though. see a little on my side. But basically, when you do that, Ugh. you can see the trichomes yeah. just falling off yeah. in there. Uh. So when you're trying to dry these things quickly and, and do it in mass production, I think you're leaving a lot of... In the CBG world, I think you're leaving most of your product left in the on the floor. Oh, so wow, I didn't know that. That flower that you grow, right,
3: that CBD flower, you know, and I, and I think a lot of people, we, 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 uh, we misnomer the whole hemp thing as far as people are saying you should grow hemp or people grow getting the hemp for one uh, use it as extract for like creams and whatnot, or, 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 or for uh, industrial material use. But that flower, I mean, you can just as easy put it, pack it in a bowl and smoke it too. Right. Like I could smoke that just, like I could do my regular flower right now.
2: Right. I mean, oh, yeah. and, and so <laughs> that is really amazing. I mean, it trim, this is CBG right here. It trims and looks like cannabis. It has a slight terpene profile, uh, but, but the medical effects are pretty big. You know, my, uh, my neighbor who's uh, had sleeping insomnia problems and back issues for a long time. Um, I got a sample of some CBG isolate and I, and I gave it to him and man, his whole world switched around, man. So, uh, so you know I grew two of these and you know I gave one to him so he could you know take care of it cuz like you were saying before how like
3: flower and branding and personal as a vertical is the way for farmers small farmers you know I think it's also a way for just any american for every american it has a chance to be a farmer if you could grow even like a small one plant and get what a pound out of it you could probably turn it over still it's not like street value freaking
2: um you know but we're no, at- I think yeah. I'm a I'm a full home grow home grow guy. I think everybody should be able to grow six plants minimum. Yeah, and to like take it. care of, to take care of their family. Um, yeah, uh, you know, there's there's so many. You know, the money, is such an aspect in making the money at these rec grows that They really don't cure the pro- bud properly, and oh. from here is a lot of uh, they don't really take care of them. You know, there's there's questionable. You know, insecticides and herbicides—they spray on them, and and that have effects. And
3: yeah, well, you like we're we carrying we carry you're saying. I mean, it all has a, a step in it that if you have a chance to home grow, then you have a chance to learn that and know that. Opposed to just like I don't know why this hurts my lungs this today, or I don't know why because it, it tastes too. You know, like you can tell like someone didn't purge something. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. But I, I
2: it's just all, think it's all quick to market. It's all quick to market and yeah. efficiency these people they take it as a business and they really don't care about the consumer the only thing they care about the consumers they come back and buy more right but, well then you, you know, figure they would care more I,
1: about the cannabis you know
2: you would think so because yeah. that's, what, that's what's gonna bring back the customers right. you know I, I judge a lot of competitions and my biggest complaint is is it looks good it smells good and it tastes doesn't taste very good at all. Oh. Okay, the, well then let's get to the real the, question though. Yeah.
1: What makes for the tastiest cannabis? With your growth experience, I would like to hear how do I'm you a make big, some, how do you grow some I'm tasty a big,
2: I'm a big mineral guy. We've been using minerals in our vegetables and our cannabis here for years. It really brings out the the, the missing link in most soil is this is minerals, a broad spectrum of minerals and mm. You know we we use it through glacial rock dust, and we use a product that comes out of Mexico. It comes from uh, a byproduct of the salt industry. It takes all the minerals, separates the salt from all the minerals, and Mm -hmm. uh, then all the stuff that came out of the ocean. And that's turned out to be just an amazing component for minerals and uh, a microbial growth and enhancer. And I'm I'm a big microbe guy, and I'm all about living soils and you know, the better you take care of your soil, the better plant it's gonna, you know, the better the plant's gonna taste and the, the better healing's gonna get. What happens is people use too many synthetics like Miracle Grow and Eagle Twenty, and everybody wonders why they feel nervous and agitated and twitchy. Well, because your the product you bought wasn't grown, you know, organically or sustainably, you know, and they, they cut corners. So they can make it easier on themselves when they all they really care is about the money and they really don't care about the, the end consumer. Is is your farm recognized it's as organic? Uh yeah, the federal government said I have had yeah. an organic farm. You know, we're not an uh a, a, a USDA certified organic farm, but when sure. the Fed in the study it says I'm an organic farm and then I grow organic cannabis. So uh, I guess in that, in, in that sense, uh, I'm an organic farmer. They tested all my soils. They saw all my nutrient inputs. They did everything here. So, um, it, it looks like, I, I, I'm an organic farmer. So
3: <laughs> I can testify to it's quality. That's that's for sure. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to taste it. Uh,
1: but you know, that's really awesome. Uh, what else would you recommend that people that, uh, are really excited about hemp do? if they wanted to get into the industry and start farming it themselves
2: well do your homework you know and make make sure you buy seeds from a reputable uh operation generally i tell everybody you want to see at least three c of a's certificate of analysis that will give you the basic data on the seeds and the genetics the germination rate the if they're feminized the feminization rate you want to see these documents and then the the key thing is to be able to talk to a couple of farmers that have actually grown these genetics mm. and make sure they're going to be the genetics that you want. That's the key component. Because uh, last year there was a lot of charlatans out there, um, chucking pollen, as we like to say, and just uh, you know creating a mess. You know, once you once you when when you just start chucking pollen that stuff and really don't do the due diligence in the breeding techniques by you know. Um, calling out the bad the bad ones or the the traits that you're not looking for and then rebreeding them again several times to get stable genetics. What happens is you get you just do these these pollen checkers do a one and done and then they pump all these seeds out there. And then there's hermaphrodites and males and all kinds of issues. And you know, I know seeds are expensive, but really do your homework in science
3: what size do you think someone should start like as a small time? Just want to get like, I want to quick tech, man. Like I'm done. I want to be live off the grid and, and, and just have a farm. Like, what do I need? An acre, two acres, 10 acres,
2: man. We, you know, we had our, I've worked on a couple of farms this year, but we had our hands, we had our hands full with three, you know, two to three people at our, you know, just a half acre that we did. Here. Oh man. That's so, awesome. So, so what I just say is like work backwards. You know, I knew I had these, these greenhouses that had the capability of using drying. Hmm. Uh, we tried to use propane. It was too costly. It was going to cost us over a hundred dollars a day in propane. Oh, wow. So our, our backup plan was just to turn the greenhouse into a big wind tunnel, which we Ooh, did have all these commercial fans. And if you keep the product moving, even in damp weather, you can keep the product from molding Yeah, air movement, just the same in growing. And, uh, mm-hmm. Through the wind tunnel method, we survived like 10 days of rain, and then we went into this last uh, 10 days here where we've had nicer weather and drier weather. we were able to, you know, um, start drying in the greenhouse and then bring them into a drier area and finish them off. Nice. So. Pretty sweet. Man. So, yeah yeah it's been a uh it's been a challenging year if you really want to you know if you if you're a, a large-scale farmer um start a five but i've like i said work backwards where are you going to dry it first of all okay make sure you have the drying space make sure the structure is going to be able to hold all that weight hmm. make sure you know if you can to have a customer before you you buy a seed and then once you have those variables down your storing space and stuff keep working backwards okay now I know that I can comfortably grow three acres. All right, we, we let's buy the seeds for three acres, and then don't get greedy and putting your plants too close together. Keep them nice and spread apart for bad years. Who knows? You know if we're if we're into a trend of bad uh, agricultural summers, but these things we we need to adjust for. So I do your homework. Your ten foot space. How big do those root balls get? They get pretty. They get pretty big, you know. We fluff up our rows, and um, you know we use a black mulch, and uh, really keeps the uh, the roots, the the soil around your roots. The key for soil is you want it to be as light as fluffy as possible, so Uh-oh. those roots can travel easily through the soil. So you don't want you don't, never want people walking in your beds or walking up and down your rows or Just like in agriculture, we make everybody go to the end of the row and come back instead of jumping over rows. What happens is people do that, and then they start stomping on the rows, and then all of a sudden, you know, this nice, fluffy, airy soil is also all of a sudden compacted down, and um, it really stunts, can stunt the growth of the plant. Damn. It's pretty good with that. But the roots are so essential to like the height and everything of the plant. I mean, it's always yeah. about the roots, right? I mean Yeah, it's always about the roots. I mean, um, seeds work better than clones for that reason, you know. Uh-huh. The, the clones shoot out lateral because when you're making uh you're making your clone, uh, you know, you've cut off the taproot and, and this you're just gonna get lateral roots. Where the seed has a taproot and it drives really deep down into the dirt and as loose as you can keep that soil, that tap root will continue to go down. Mm, I, had the, yeah. I had this group, uh, let me test demo, um, a thing was called uh, an AquaSpy. It's by um, Farm QA, And basically, it's a probe we put in the ground. It's 48 inches. So we drilled a hole, and then we put this probe in the ground, and it hooks up to a uh, solar-driven satellite connection, that collects the data. Now, the probe is uh, 48 inches, but every four inches, there's a sensor in there for uh, heat, moisture, and uh, EC, electric current. And basically, the electric current keeps track of where your uh, fertilizer is. Huh. And uh, so, you can actually see when you water how deep it goes. Did it get to the end of your roots? When you watered, did you water too much and then push the Oh, the nutrient wow. fertilizer past the roots, so really we all know what's going on up up by looking at it. Yeah. This, this nice tool from Farm QA just uh, makes it so you can see down in the dirt and and really get a good perspective of what's going on, and you're collecting key data. Mm. You know, um, and and as we all know, uh, data is everything, and. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, if we're if we're testing the product right out of the fields and collecting that data, and then collecting the data of the soil with the temperature and the moisture rate and what, what where the roots were and where your fertilizer was during the whole process, we could really learn a lot and save a lot of money on uh, agriculture yeah. and agriculture in the future in general. So uh, I'm 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 a techie guy at heart, and uh, but I'm still pretty old school in and in a lot of different ways. Well,
3: it's so funny how you said uh, you, you, it's telling you what you can tell from the top by looking at it. Right. Like that's your old schoolness. As far as like, I had an issue with uh, it was getting dark green in the center. And I took a picture of it and everybody, every farmer's like, Oh, it looks like you need nitrogen or you have too much. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. I my soil does whatever. Um, but I was just more concerned. Is this a bad thing or good thing? You know? Uh, and everybody's like, Oh, it's new growth. But like, if I were to have a probe. And then a program where like somebody with your experience, because that's what's going to happen. It's going to go. All that information is coming to come to an app and it's going to say, worry or don't worry. I mean, the am going to smoke it for me too. I mean, come on. <laughs> but if I want Farmer Tom quality freaking herb, Tom could just put out his information in that program. And then that's what you've got to monitor and keep consistent within that 90 days of growth, you know, or whatever time frame you do it in. You know, I mean, you have a gold mine on top of your experience, but you're the data, like you said, it's all, it's all, all want. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: so my goal is to get out a bunch of uh, uh, these probes out across the country. Um, the mm. first week in February, I'm going to be in New Mexico. Um, I'm cool. keynote speaking their first hemp event down there. We're going to we're gonna do a full day of, uh, of just nuts and bolts of growing hemp, the do's and don'ts, nice. all that kind. Ca- so if you're in New Mexico, come on out to see us down there. We're going to be in uh, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'm pretty stoked to be there. I've never been there before. So uh, this, this uh, journey is kind of taken me all around the world, and uh, I'm pretty blessed and thankful to be able to
1: do it. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, I and mean, we're really thankful for you coming on and like dropping all these knowledge bombs all over us about the uh, the hemp industry and where it's going next year. I really appreciate it, man.
2: Oh, no worries. Anytime you guys need any information or updates, feel free to reach out. I'd be more than happy to walk you through what I know and what I see coming down the road. Cool. Where can
1: people find uh, more about you?
2: Uh, you can go to farmer Tom organics. You can Google farmer Tom. Uh, if you're interested in the this, this school, hemp you can find me on uh, Facebook farmer, Tom Lowerman. Uh, you can find me on Instagram farmer, Tom Lowerman. We're on Twitter. Uh, we kind of we're kind of out there. We've got a really popular YouTube channel right oh, yeah, now Farmer Farmer Tom's Hemp Company, and we or really talk about the school Hemp Farming Academy. And uh, we've got some great videos out there, dropping some knowledge. And uh, um, you know, yeah, it's been a it's been a great journey. I, I really love educating, and you know, and being able to uh, you know help people make correct decisions. You know. When yeah. I get out there and talk, I'm, I'm kind of like raising the bar because I give people real data and the group yeah. and the circle that I talk in, what I've noticed over the last year is they're all starting to give real data and not so much, well, come to my table and you could buy my services. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm all about dropping real knowledge and giving people real information like I did here today about the seeds and you know other things you need to worry about. Uh, know, Air circulation. Air
3: circulation. Yeah.
2: all that stuff. So I like to give people good, good information. And, and I, you know, if, if everybody succeed, then I succeed. So that's nice. Awesome.
1: All right. Thanks Biggie for uh, dropping by and sharing an hour of your time on this Sunday and I'll see you Wednesday. I think we have a pretty cool guest. He was one of those, one of the new POWs of the, uh, the hemp war. Somebody was arrested over in New York. I think we're going to have him on the show. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah, Green Angel CBD. Yeah, that was a Green Angel CBD. Yeah, yep. yeah.
1: All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.
3: Uh-